Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, it's my honor to to bring the Word to you today. Uh, I want to thank my pastors for the opportunity. You know, we're just going to go ahead and move into part two of what I talked about Wednesday. And, you know, I, if you wanted to, to title it just a real general uh, title would be the local church. And just how important it is, uh, not, only, not only from a fellowship standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint. And, and you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but how important you are, it, how mighty you are, and your part to play. Uh, let's go to Acts 4 very quickly. And we touched on this verse in prayer earlier this morning, but let's start in Acts 4 and verse 23. And it says, in being let go, they went to their own company. You are in your own church, your own company today. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And I have written in in my Bible, I have unity written next to that verse. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. You know, every time that we're able to come together and come together as a body, God did that. You know, God called, whether you believe this, you know, I believe God called me to this church, meaning God called me to the pastors of this church. Um, And I could have went anywhere I wanted to, but that wasn't God's idea. God had something else in mind. And I believe that with all my heart, he spoke to you and has given you something to do within this body. And what might not seem significant to to somebody else, did God ask you to do it? So if he asked you, then it's significant. If all he ever said was come through the door and sit in your chair and feed on the word, that's significant because he has an answer for you, right? And this is your company, amen? So go to Colossians 3, please. And this was the uh, scripture that we used Wednesday. It's the foundational scripture for this uh, local church teaching that that I want to get into. Uh, And I like it from the the message. So if we could get that on the screen, please, I would appreciate it. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. And he loves the church. And that's where the action is. 
right? He loves the church and the things that go with the church and the different offices that go with the church, right? So that's why what you do outside of the church is great. And, 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 and if you're called to do things outside of the church, wonderful. That's great. But if you're called to do things within the church, that's good too. See, it's all significant. Everything that you do has a significance to it when it's done from the Spirit. And I, again, I'm not saying that, that everybody should work, everybody should have a job if, if, if you can, you know, but that's not the significant part of your life. That's not, that's not what identifies you. What identifies you is what the Word says. And that's what Jesus is excited about. And Jesus wants you to have a good job. He wants you to have plenty of money. He wants you to have benefits. We talked about it. But that's not the significant thing. Amen? The significant thing is what did he ask you to do? Okay? And we're going to see that today. Look at 1 Chronicles in chapter 11. And I want you to see this from Jesus' perspective. When you read this, I want you to see it the way he sees it. 1 Chronicles chapter 11 in verse 10. And this is talking about David and his mighty men. And it says, These also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom. Okay, let's stop right there just for a second. So when I see this, I see that David couldn't do it alone. And we'll look, and we'll see it in 2 Timothy as well. Paul couldn't do it alone. In fact, Jesus even needed help. So you're significant in this body because you bring a supply and you bring help to the pastors who were set by God over this ministry, right? They need your help. Everybody sitting next to each other, you need that person's help. We can't do it alone. Now, these were mighty men, but they still, they strengthened themselves with him, not to do something outside of him. They came along to help him. You're mighty, and you're called to be mighty for the kingdom, and there's plenty of opportunities to be mighty right here. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Maybe you never saw yourself as mighty before. You can come alongside and, and really, and this is what I saw, uh, and, and I can get into it in more detail today, when people come to the knowledge of who they really are in Christ, suddenly there's this boldness, there's this confidence, there's this realization that there's destiny on the inside of them, and that they have something to do, right? But before that, it was this all-consuming, I got to do what I got to do, and it's, it's all about me. No. <laughs> what, a, what a life that we were leading before Christ. And, and, and it might have even been good, but it was worthless, according to the word. Paul said he counted it as dumb, right? Now, <laughs> I'm not calling your life that at all. I'm not saying what you did before was, was all bad, but I can speak for me was not good. 
was not good at all. But now we're called to be mighty. We're called to be mighty. Jesus is counting on us to be mighty. And that's why he has made us new creatures in Christ, in him. I don't have to identify with myself anymore. I, have to, I get to identify with him. And where did I learn that? I learned that in the local church. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe some of you in here, you learned that from uh, the uh, other teachings or, or from uh, Christian TV, and, and we'll talk about that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what about a pastor that can see your face and be stirred in the spirit to know what you need? Now, I don't stand up here in the office. I am not Pastor Steele, and you know that, and I don't have to explain that to you. But I can hear the Holy Spirit, right? And so can you. You, We have the same Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So we're going to endeavor as we move through this today to hear correctly and flow correctly. And when you leave, I pray that you leave more full and better than when you walked in, right? And if that occurs, then praise God. God did what he wanted to do, and we give all glory to him. Amen? So let's look at 2 Timothy, and we're just going to move through the word and listen to the Spirit, and we're going to be blessed. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, we see here, we see a picture of, of a man, and his name was Demas, and he loved the things of the world more than he loved to help his pastor. I mean, if we, if we really look at that, and Paul being his pastor... Okay, he quit. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. So he says, take Mark and bring him with thee. Bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Meaning he's useful. He can help me. He can help me further the gospel. Right Now, I don't know what Demas was doing, but obviously he was an important and integral part to the ministry, just as you are. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're bringing, you're integral, you're a part of the body. And I know we've used this analogy and we've heard it over and over, but again, you don't want to go anywhere without your pinky toe. You don't. It would be... Hard. It would make it harder than it needs to be, right? When Demas quit, he made it harder on Paul than it needed to be. He, and in fact, he uses strong language. He says, he forsook me. He abandoned me. And I just have written there, I said, Demas quit. Well, what causes someone to quit? Well, I think it's not having a proper perspective like we saw from Colossians 3 and seeing things the way Jesus sees it. Because when we don't see it the way he sees it, now I'm seeing it the way I see it, and the way I see it is I'm out of here. <laughs> when Jesus said, no, you need to stay right there, and I said, no, I don't want to. Now I'm being disobedient. If anything, we can glean that Demas was being disobedient because he forsook Paul. I don't believe we see anything, anywhere in the scriptures where it says, and God told Demas to leave. We don't see that, Okay. So he loved the things of the world more than he loved his pastor. And people do that a lot. But not only 
And, and sometimes I think we look at this perspective of, well, they quit the man and they quit. No. What did he stand to lose? That, that's where his answer was. What, what did he lose out on? What revelation did he lose? What, right? I mean, we've talked about it before. Where we go to church can be, for some of us, a matter of life and death. It, it's that simple, you know? Uh, and you know, you know all that story, and, and, and we don't have to repeat it again, but I thank God every day that I was in a position to hear and have spiritual authority in my life that was able to speak into my life and her life when, when we were going through that mess. Because if I'm on my own, right, then what? Then I'm left to try to figure it out on my own. You didn't want to try to figure it out on your own, did you? No, me either. <laughs> it would have been a mess. But now, now you have a walking, breathing miracle. I'm talking about Josh and, and Amy and Jalen. A walking, hi buddy, a walking, breathing miracle because of the word. And somebody that, that, that took the time and fed the word, and he took the word, and applied it, and God performed the word. He believed it, God performed it. Amen. You believed it, God performed it. As many of you in here, you can attest to any certain situations, but it was the word. It was the word that changed your life. And, and, and I thank God for the word, and I thank God for the man and the woman that he used and the office that he used to pour the word in, right? Okay. Now, we talked about this as well, and I'm, I'm recapping some, but also there's, I got more, I believe I got more light on it as I was studying it out even further. You know, we talked about in Matthew 9, and let's go there again. Uh, as I, I, I saw this scattering, uh, the word scatter, and the more I looked at it, I believe God showed me a, a couple more things. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching, in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, so he saw him. He saw them. He was there. He could lay eyes on them. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So these people, you know, if, if we really look at this, when... When you were out, when I was out doing whatever I wanted to do, I was scattered. My life was a mess. It was chaos, right? I didn't know it. In some instances, I did, but some instances, I didn't. I didn't realize how out of order things were. I needed someone to come along, and I needed them. I needed God to speak through them and allow me to allow that to impact me and hear them and set my life in order with the word, right? Because I was scattered. And that word scattered, I thought it just meant dispersed about. It does, but it also means to be chased by a predator. Now, I didn't realize it, but I was being chased all over the place. Being chased over here to over there to over here to over there, and not real. And did it, didn't it seem like before you got saved, you were always putting out a fire, maybe that you started, 
<laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe you tried to blame it on somebody else, but there's a fire over here, so you come over here. All right, let me put this out. Oh, okay, I can breathe. Oh, there's one over there, and I got to go put that out. And that's all I was doing. I was like chasing my tail, right? It just over here, over there. I was being chased, and I didn't even realize it. I was being scattered. I was being chased by the enemy, and I didn't even realize it. And it was all because my life was out of order, okay? But I got a pastor. Praise God. And look here. Look here in verse 36. He said, they fainted and were scattered as sheep having no shepherd. But what we can, what we can learn from this is that those that have a pastor, they're not tormented in their mind anymore because they're not scattered anymore. If they'll listen, if we'll listen, and we'll, and we'll understand that God is speaking through that man or God is speaking through that woman, right? And we'll, we'll see this uh, when, we, when we realize that we can't be familiar and think, well, oh, here's just the man again. He's just, yeah, he's going to say this again. Yeah, he's going to repeat himself again. Because maybe you haven't got it yet. I'll raise my hand because maybe I haven't got it yet. And even if I do, quote, unquote, have it, does it really mean that I've got all the revelation from it yet? No. Because I'll never have all the revelation on it, ever. Maybe when I get to heaven, right? But even then, it'll be, it'll have to be revealed to me. I won't know it, Right? So what we want to do is we want to keep ourselves. I liken it to this when I was in, in sports. Uh, there was a be coachable, be teachable. Always be, look, you know the coach is going to tell you to do this. Just go do it. Don't, don't argue with the coach. And, and, and maybe you got a better way, but you're not the coach, <laughs> right? Now, you could always go to the coach and say, hey, coach, you know, I know you're telling me to do it this way, and I appreciate that. But what if we were to do it? You know, there's a way to approach the coach, right? <laughs> but just to go out and, like, well, coach don't know what he's talking about. Coach has only been, at that time, coach, my coach had only been coaching 26 years. How could he possibly know what he was talking about? He knew a little bit more than I did. I was a 17-year-old kid, didn't know nothing about nothing, but thought I knew more about basketball because I watched it on TV a lot. Come on. Or just because I'd been playing it since I was six. So I had 11 years of experience to his, well, he had 26 years of head coaching, not to mention all the times he was assistant coach and a player. Be coachable. He knows more than you. God knows more than us. And he's using men and women to help us, right? So we got to be coachable. Pay attention. The, the number one thing uh, when and I'm not telling you this is not to keep your attention by any means, but the number one thing in being coachable was when the coach was talking, you made eye contact with the coach because he knew you were listening. He knew you weren't just off in left field somewhere. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the play came in and you didn't know where to be on the court and he's calling out the play, well, were, were you just not in the huddle? Were you just not over here when we were talking? Right? And the coach would get mad. Well, the pastor's not going to get mad at you. Because the Bible says we travail in birth again until Christ be formed in us, right? But don't get upset. And I don't know why I'm here. It's probably for me. Don't get upset when you feel like the pastor is saying the same thing that he said last week or saying the same thing 
that he said in prayer meeting. Or saying, God's getting something to you through him. Right? That maybe you aren't going through at the time, but you're going to need it at some point. And they liken that to stocking the shelves. You're going to need it. Right? And that's part of being here in your company. Maybe not everybody needs it, but you do. Right? (laughs) We need faith. And that's why we're here, to build our faith in every area of our life. Because it's going to take faith to overcome the next obstacle that comes your way. It's going to take faith. Faith in his word, faith in his overcoming ability that you've been given that's on the inside of you. You can do this. You are mighty. You are called to be a mighty man and woman of God. Amen. Right? So it's so important. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 3. And this is what I want to get into uh, regarding the pastor being able to lay his eyes on the sheep. You know, you wouldn't think it would be a very good shepherd uh, in the natural to turn his sheep loose out in the field and then uh, he go back into the house and just tell the sheep, y'all take care of yourself. (laughs) You got this, right? Wolf shows up, don't worry about it. (laughs) You can handle it. No. Look at, he's got to keep his eyes on the sheep. And that's one reason why I used to think that, not here, but just in general, I used to think pastors, not pastor, but pastors in general, wanted to run people's life because they had a power trip and this, this, and that. Look, that's not the case. A good pastor is laying his life down for the sheep. He doesn't want to control your life. He is overseeing, right? Right? He wants the best for you. So it's not a control uh, uh, issue at all. Look at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians 3 and 10. It says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So he had to be there in their presence and he had to see their face to know exactly what they needed to perfect their faith. So that's why it gets said in this building that every time the doors are open, you should be here because we want to perfect your faith. It's not a control issue. It's not that we don't think you got other things going on. That's not it. That's not it at all. The pastors want you to grow and they want you to overcome and they want you to be able to attack the situation not react, be proactive. Now, y'all get here when you can get here. I'm not preaching on church attendance, but I'm saying the pastor has this innate ability to see you and be stirred and know what you need because he's been called by, it's a, it's a God-ordained. That's why not everybody can call themselves a pastor. Who are they pastoring? Right? I mean, there's people, I I am not, I am an associate minister. I am not your pastor. But I help my pastor, right? So I'm I'm ministering. I'm I'm serving. We're all called to be ministers, all right? But I can still hear 
and see you. And it's amazing because, and I know you, the, the Holy Spirit works the same way in you. You can walk into a situation and be in tune with the Spirit and know that that person, that they're pulling on you. They're drawing something. They need something. You get a word to tell them, right? Or, or just, hey, I love you. I, I'm, I'm for you, right? Because it's that ministering side of you, of Christ on the inside of you, okay? It's that eye contact. Christian TV can't do that for us. Christian TV is good. I've learned a lot from Christian TV, right? Um, I've also learned a lot of what not to, to do from Christian TV. I mean, let's, I'm not, it's just how it is. Uh, Christian radio, the same way. You got to, we need to watch Christian TV or listen to Christian radio through, and I use the word filter, of what we've been taught here. Amen. Because that's what you've been taught here from your trusted voice. And if your trusted voice tells you, I don't listen to them, then do I need to? Not telling you what to do, it's just food for thought. That's just food for thought. Your pastor will tell you, you know what, that might not be something you should listen to. But he's not going to come out and say, don't you ever. So you got to listen, okay? You got to hear here, all right? Because people on TV, they can't see your face. They don't know what you need. That's just true. People on the radio, they can't see you. They don't know what you need. Like a pastor, how a pastor knows how is it a pastor can see you and you walk in the door and they can look at you and say, hey, man, what's going on? How can they do that? It's because they're your pastor. Amen. Right? Is the guy on the TV going to be able to do that? No, I know that's a, that's a silly question, but some people think, ah, I got all I need. I got the TV. You know, I'm good. I don't need to go to church. They're missing out. That person is missing out on a greater spiritual walk, right? And, and I've said it, and, and Kevin, you, you, you printed it up for me. Church is not an obligation. It should never feel like an obligation. It's a celebration. We get to celebrate coming to church. We get to celebrate our Lord and Savior. And as a bonus, we get armed with ammunition to face Everything we're going to face for that week. What, what could be better, right? But when we take it from a traditional, obligational standpoint, then it becomes drudgery, and then I don't want to go, and then I lose all the power that's there. And that's why you can, you can, you've seen people, that they come to church, and they have this obligation mindset, and one person sitting right next to them is celebrating and loving every minute, and is, it leaves out on cloud nine, and then another person leaves maybe the same or worse than when they walked in. And that's why I say, I want us to walk out of here better than when we came in. Amen. We need a pastor that can see our face. And that's why we go to the place where the pastor is anointed to see our face. Because that anointing, that's what breaks the bondages. That's what breaks the chains, right? Yes, you've been set free, and we sang about it. Uh, you've got resurrection power living on the inside of you, and your chains are gone. They are gone, forever gone. You're saved. You're, that, that bondage is gone. But what about the other things that try to attach to you during the week? 
or try to drag you over here or distract you over here. Isn't it something that our pastor has spent weeks and weeks and weeks about distraction? Right? Well, that tells me that, okay, I need to look inwardly and realize what's distracting me. What's pulling my focus? I got to look at me. Because it's real easy to sit there. I'm going to be judgment day honest. It's easy for me to sit there and think about y'all. I wonder what they're distracted about. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm distracted because I'm thinking about your distractions. <laughs> but I don't, I'm, not looking, I'm not looking here. Mm-mm. I got to look here. Because if, if I'm not looking in here, I'm deceiving myself. Just like it says in James. Oh, I'm hearing the word. Am I doing it? No. But I'm hearing it. So then I'm deceiving myself, and I'm worried about, well, you know, Brother Kevin really needs to get it together because <laughs> I know that he's going through this and that, and he really, you know, he's been here long enough. He shouldn't be going through that anymore. Well, come on. Who said? I'm distracted, right? How did we get off on that? I... I do not know, but uh, that anointing, that anointing to impart. How many times have we been here and there's been the laying on of hands, that impartation, or not even the laying on of hands, just the impartation of the word, hitting your spirit, changing your life forever, and now you can go out and change the situation. Whatever's been facing you, you've been armed with the word, right? So we go to the place where the pastor is anointed to see us. And then, as we're being fed, now we're not scattered. Now we're figuring out who we really don't have an excuse. You have a new identity. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought I was just, I thought I was saved on my way to heaven and the same old person. Couldn't have been further from the truth. And thank God, thank God I had a church body that showed me, no, you're far from normal. (laughs) Amen? Now, let's look at Ephesians 4. And we're going to talk about this ordering. How many of you would raise your hand and say your life was out of order before you came to Christ? (laughs) <laughs> like way out of order, like it wouldn't even, wouldn't even power up, right? You plug in, but it, it, no power. It's just something was wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't that you were just like a Coke machine and you didn't, you, yeah, you were out of order. It was, it was not going to work. Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he, being Jesus, that he is Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints, for my maturity, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That word perfecting means right ordering, rendering fit or arrangement. So every time the word is coming forth from our pastor, it's acting like God's word did in Genesis. When when God spoke the word and he said, light be, he was ordering the world, right? It's the same way when our pastor is bringing us the word, it's setting our life in order. Maybe it's, maybe, in, <laughs> say maybe, most generally with me, it's knocking things off my life. 
it's, it's, it's that sandpaper, and it's coming, and it's, it's refining things, right? It's knocking burrs off, or sometimes big chunks. It just depends, right? Because without the word, there's dysfunction in my life. Think about that. Dysfunction. You know, and we all laugh. I say we all. I have laughed at times. Well, I come from a dysfunctional family. <laughs> it's an understatement. <laughs> but as many of you the same way. But guess what? You're in a new family now. And the word has come to knock that dysfunction out and bring order to chaos, to bring order to your life. Your chaos should not be the rule of a believer. And and I'm not saying that there's not situations that don't come along and try to get you in in a state of chaos, but we aren't called to be chaotic. We've got, we've got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of order, <laughs> right? We've got the Word. The Word's orderly. We've got a pastor. We've got a church body. We've got things keeping us in line. Chaos may come, but it just needs to stay on the periphery. It, it might be over there blowing and the storm's over there and trying to get you to get involved. But again, where's my focus? It's straight ahead on what I need to do how I need to be mighty, how I'm significant. If I don't think I'm significant, I'm just going to get pulled over here into the chaos. Hey, what's going on over here? Oh, and before I know it, I'm spun up in the whirlwind when the whole time my place is over there. Does that make sense? Chaos, drama. And this is more than just a, a, a statement. This is truth. We don't have time for the drama. I don't have time for it. Because of what God has asked us to do, you don't have time for it. You don't. I mean, how does pastor say? Times like this. It's getting, to, it's getting faster and shorter and it's narrowing, right? We don't have time for all the drama that the world's going through. Because think about it. And I know you've done it. So you don't have to raise your hand. I know you've given some attention to some, maybe not all of us, but some of us have given attention to what the world is going through and the drama. And isn't it amazing how much time you can lose just by, before you know it, you've given five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours. That's why the news, you do what you want, but it's a detriment to me. Because I start, I start in on one story, and it takes me over here. Well, click on that. Okay. And now I'm on this story. Okay, click on that. Oh, and now I've, I'm, I'm down the rabbit hole, and I've wasted time and energy on something that God said, man, that's insignificant. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, you do what you want with the news. That's fine. (laughs) Anyway, so we want to know our answer and our pastor after the Spirit. Because we see clearly from the Bible that when Jesus was in his own hometown, he could do no mighty work there. And why? Because it was familiarity. Well, that's just Jesus. That's just the man. He's just a car. Isn't that, yeah, I know him. Isn't that? His brother is so-and-so and his sister, and I remember when she did that. And you know his dad, he's a carpenter, and, 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 and on and on and on and on and on. And he was like, he wanted to do. You know he was anointed to do there. And he did a few things, but their lack 
of unbe- their, their unbelief and their lack of faith in him tied his hands. So the same thing can happen in a service, and it doesn't here, praise God, but I've seen it in other places where it can, you can tie the man's hands because, ah, uh, that's just so-and-so. Boy, I remember when he was just a little guy or whatever, right? Yeah, you remember, you know, he's over there doing that. And he's, the whole time that man or woman is attempting to bring the word, and that person's just sitting on it because, ah, they don't have anything. I know that. I know that. I, I learned that when they learned that. Well, so what? <laughs> Keith Moore talked about it. He was in healing school. He was teaching healing school. And I don't know how old he was at the time, but a lot younger than he is now. And had a lot of people in that healing school that, that basically, and I'll paraphrase it, uh, but they said, oh, buddy boy, I knew that scripture back when you were such and such and such. And such. Well, that has nothing to do with it. They weren't receiving. The word was going forth, but they weren't receiving because they felt like they knew it better than he did. But he was the one called by God to teach it. So there you go. So I can learn, and I do, man. When I'm up here, I learn just as much as you are. Because <laughs> God's speaking to me just like he's speaking to you. But I can learn, I can learn standing here. And I can learn sitting there, and it doesn't matter who's up here. As long as they're bringing the word, I can learn, right? Because we look past the fact that if it's a man or a woman or age or color, this word does not have an age or a color, right, or a gender specifically. We're redeemed. That, this New Testament is to the redeemed. That's what you are, and that's what I am. Right? Redeemed. Now, I don't want this ever to be, this next statement, I don't ever want this to be the case here. And I don't believe it will be. But some pastors have greater anointing outside of their own church because of the people have become too familiar with them. And when I say familiar, it's they don't, it's, it's, they don't have respect for that office anymore. Oh, that's just so-and-so. That's not pastor so-and-so anymore. Oh, that's just so-and-so. Yeah, he's the pastor, but that's, he's my buddy. That's why you don't want your pastor to be your buddy. It's okay for him to be, uh, what's the word? And not standoffish and not cold. I mean, you want a compassionate, warm pastor, but you don't want a buddy. You got buddies. <laughs> yeah, too many, maybe. <laughs> but... They're not, they're not the ones that are going to stand accountable to the Father for what they did with their teaching to you. Amen. They don't stand accountable. They weren't set in the office of your pastor. Your buddy was not, is not your pastor, right? And thank God, because I wouldn't be able to receive from my buddy, because I know what he was doing, <laughs> right? And I, sh- I, should, I should be able to, but there's still this... Man, you're not my pastor, right? My pastor is not my buddy. My pastor can be my friend and is friendly to me. But he has on many occasions, not a lot, but enough, that he can set me right and correct me and set me in order because I don't look at it as my buddy. Because if a buddy tries to correct you, you're like, who are you? Go on. 
right? You dismiss it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if it's your pastor and they're correcting you, okay, that's God correcting me. That's the office that God has set correcting me. And I want the, the greatest anointing on my pastor, I want it here. Because it's for me. It's for you. The anointing isn't for him. It's for us. It's for, and if it's the strongest here, then I'm receiving it, I'm taking it, and my life's changing. But if he's got to go somewhere else to function in that high level, guess what? I'm going to be there too. I'm, I'm following you wherever you're going. I want a part of that, but I want it here. And I know you do too because you want your life to keep changing. You want to keep growing. That's what I believe. You know, Judas prospered in ministry. He did. He was, doing, he was doing okay. He was the treasurer. Do you think, do you think Jesus trusted him? Obviously. He was carrying the bag, right? But he lost his ministry and his life when he disconnected from Jesus. He disconnected from his pastor. Now, I'm not saying that there's times when people leave and God called them to do something else different. That's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on people that willingly and they're disobedient and they just disconnect and they expect life to just be the same. But when you were called here or wherever, but you were called to that place, if you're called there, God has something for you there. That's that period, end of story. That's where you need to be. Okay, Judas needed to stay in that place. He got distracted. That's an understatement. But he got distracted, and it cost him everything. Everything. So we've got to protect the relationship. You've got to protect. Now, this may sound funny. You do need to protect the relationship with your spouse, but you need to protect the relationship with your pastor just as much. Because, again, I love my wife, and my wife can speak things into my life spiritually and does on numerous occasions, but she is not my pastor. So I need to protect those relationships, right? We talked about this as well. What I hear on TV, what I hear on the radio what standard have I learned here? What, what, who, does, who does my pastor reference? What men of God does he reference? Okay, then I, then I look at that. And again, it's not, it's not put, it's because that's what is taught here. That's trusted. If he's trusting it, I can trust it. Amen. I don't have to go and try and figure it out. Is this good? Is this bad? He trusts it. Okay, if he trusts it, then I know it's kind of like coach. With 26 more years of experience, he already knows. He's already, it's tried and true. Brother Hagen, yep, good to go. Charles Caps, yes. Kenneth Copeland, mm-hmm. <laughs> Keith Moore, oh yeah, great. So-and-so and so-and-so, I don't know. I don't know. Pastor, do you listen to such-and-such? Such? No, I don't. Okay, then I don't need to. And again, hear this right. Don't hear this as a controlling thing. Hear it as a safety. Hear it as a rescue, okay? Amen. 
Again, it's the office. And I know I'm speaking to mature people, but it used to hit me when I was not at the level of maturity that I am now. I'm not going to say. I wasn't honoring the office. It was more I was seeing the man. And I was missing it. I wasn't recognizing my help. Um, but when I, when I and am still in process of seeing the office for what it is, it makes it a lot easier to recognize my help. Because now I take it and I respect it. And I honor it a lot more. Because man can miss it. Man can miss it. The office, the anointing, the anointing doesn't miss it. The anointing's never missed it. That anointing comes, and that's from God. Now things change. When your life was put in order, God didn't miss it. Amen. When God spoke that to you about what he wanted you to do, God didn't miss it, right? Amen. But I know, at least from my experience, I've had people try that weren't my pastor try to come and give me words, and they were wrong. And it messed me up because I was of a tender enough heart at that time that I listened. And I thought, well, everybody that gives me a word, they must have my best interest at heart. No, they do not. They do not. They're, they're, there's people with ulterior motives. Your pastor doesn't have an ulterior motive. Your, pastor, your pastor's motive is love. Your pastor's motive is your growth. Right? So if he tells you something... And it, and, and it bears witness with your spirit. He will tell you, you check. You check your spirit. If it bears witness with your spirit, okay, then that's from God. Amen? Amen? I know he spoke directly to your spirit. I was there. Changed your life forever. And, and it, wasn't some, it wasn't some deep prophetic. It was prophetic, but it wasn't deep and over your head. But it changed your life forever. Simple word. What are you waiting for? What do you and the and the anointing was all over those words, and bam, and your life has never been the, never been the same. And that's how God deals with me. If he if he, if it's got to be super deep, it's going to go over my head. God's got to be blunt with me, <laughs> and direct. He said, "Help your pastor." I said, "Okay, how?" And that was been years ago. Help your pastor. Okay, we'll do that. But it's been this process of, of, of just learning and honoring. And, and I don't want to miss it. Uh, Jesus said, receive the one I sent, and you receive me. Amen. And Jesus has sent us pastors, Pastor Philip and Pastor Michelle. You receive them, you receive him. Uh, you receive that office. And you allow that office to speak into your life. <laughs> My goodness. The things that you can avoid and the things that you can gain. Now, how you receive equals what you receive. How you receive it equals what you receive. If you receive from the man, you'll receive what the man can bring you. If you receive from what the brother has for you, you'll receive from what the brother has for you, the sister. If you receive from the pastor or your spiritual father or mother, now you can, you can receive what they have, that office has, right? 
So how you receive equals what?